You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. I'm proud to introduce Ken Scholes. Um, thank you all for coming out. I'm a big fan of charities that take care of children that are at risk. And so the fact that you're here doing this tonight, um, spending this time with us, very good. Yeah, I should probably move this in. There's got to be a dial on it, right? I could just take it with my hand, do it like the old preacher boy days. Because there was a time when I used to get up and preach. Um, I don't do it much anymore. Um, anyway, it's good to be here. Thank you all for coming out. And I'm going to be reading actually tonight from the prelude to Requiem, which is the fourth volume of the Psalms of Isaac. Just finished maybe a month or so ago. I think the copy edits will be on my porch when I get home. And uh, it'll be out in June. Um, <clears throat> and I don't think I spoil too much here, but if you're going to go out and buy a book, go ahead and buy the fourth one, but buy the other three and read them first. Um, so this is the prelude to Requiem. A gibbous moon hung in the pre-dawn sky, casting shades of blue and green over a blanket of snow. Fresh from the gloom of the woodlands behind her, and not even an hour past the warmth of the thick quilts and crackling fire of her family's home, Marta clutched her stolen sling and cursed the rabbit for running so far and so fast. She'd not meant to be gone so long. She'd only meant to quickly and efficiently do her part, proving to her father and her brother that she could. Still, if she caught it, skinned it, and gutted it, she could have it in the stew pot before the sun rose. Marta moved slowly, following the slight trail the rabbit left in the thick snow, her sling loaded and ready in her left hand. Everyone, her father had said since her mother died, must do their part. She'd been selling fresh produce in Windweir two years ago, same as she'd always done, when the ground shook and the pillar of fire rose up into a second summer sky to choke out the sun. Everything changed that day, and then kept changing. First, there'd been the armies. Then, eventually, the soldiers had retreated and the marshers had come, though now they wore black uniforms and called themselves Machvolk. Now they built schools and encouraged the children to attend, though Marta's father had not permitted her to. At least twice a month, the black-robed evangelist visited their doorstep and entreated Galdus to send at least his daughter so that she might be properly educated. Part of her resented that he held her back, relegating her to do her part, namely sweeping and cleaning and tending the garden during the spring and summer. But another part of Marvel, Mar Marta reveled in being one of the few children who did not attend the Yazirite school. Still, she heard things through her friends. She knew about the Crimson Empress and the Great Mother <clears throat> and the Child of Promise and how their advent meant the healing of the world. She had heard bits of scripture and had listened to the evangelists expounding upon it in the village square. She'd even seen the Great Mother not long ago, just after the earthquake, riding south on a small company, fast as fast can be on magic horses. And she'd guessed that the bundle she carried close beneath her winter cloak was the Child of Promise, Jacob. They'd lined the muddy road to, to catch a glimpse, uh, through her though her father's grim jawline told her he did so with no sense of the faith or joy surrounding the, the surrounding villagers felt. Everyone must do their part. Marta pushed ahead and caught sight of movement near the tree line. Beyond it, she heard the quiet rush of water that marked one of the many creeks that ran into the third river. She watched her breath gather in a cloud ahead of her face and measured the distance with her eyes. The rabbit was just out of reach. Picking up her pace, she twirled the sling and listened to its buzzing as it built on the air. She broke into a run as the rabbit moved into the trees, and gasping in frustration, she loosed the stone. It shot out and hummed across the clearing, cracking against a tree, even as she fitted another into the sling's pocket. 
Overhead, the sky moved toward gray. Then something happened. There was movement, heavy movement, within the tree line, and she heard the rabbit scream even as she heard the snap of breaking bones. She felt a sudden rush of fear and tasted the copper of it in her mouth, but still her feet carried her forward. She caught a glimpse of something in the trees moving with long, deliberate strides off toward the river. It was tall and it looked like a man. Marta glanced down, saw the speckle of blood on the ground and the large footprint. I should go back, she thought. I should tell my father there is someone in the woods. But it would be easier to go back with the rabbit in hand, and it would be more efficient to go back with some idea as to who hid in their woods. It moved faster than a man, and she jogged to keep up, staying well behind. When it paused, she stopped in her tracks, and looked over its shoulder in her direction. She felt her mouth go dry. Eyes that burned the color of blood opened and closed on her. Do not follow me, little human, a wheezy, fluid voice said. She swallowed, then summoned up her own voice, trying hard not to let it shake. Give me back my rabbit. It turned and moved off again, but now it slowed, and she drew closer. It was a man made of metal, but no metal she'd ever seen before. It was a silver that reflected back their surroundings, the white of the snow, the blue-green of the moonlight, the charcoal shadows of the forest, and it moved with liquid grace, its joints whispering and clicking faintly as they bent. Who are you? They were near the river now and the cliffs it ran beside. The metal man paused, and she was close enough now to see tears in its red-jeweled eyes. I do not know who I am, he said. Where are you from? The metal man looked up, its eyes taking in the moon. I do not know. It shuddered slightly as it spoke. Marta took another step forward, and the metal man spun suddenly, moving off in the direction of the cliffside, the rabbit hanging loosely in one slender silver hand. Again, she jogged to catch up. She'd heard tales of mechanicals, though she'd never seen one, and an idea crept to mind. Are you from Windwear? This time, its movements were violent, and she leaped back when it spun toward her. I told you I do not know, little human. It is not safe for you to follow me. She gritted her teeth. Then give me back my rabbit. She looked down at the rabbit. Uh, he looked down at the rabbit and then looked at her. The human body contains, on average, two congeas of blood. He leaned forward. You are not fully grown, but you would suffice. She felt herself go pale. She even willed her feet to carry her backwards, to fly her home to the warmth of her waiting house and bed, but they refused her. Instead, she stood transfixed by the creature that towered over her now, the sling dangling powerlessly from her hand. She wanted to ask him what she would suffice for, but couldn't make her tongue work either. When he turned away, just as suddenly, she heard her breath release. Striding to the cliffside, he disappeared behind a boulder. Shaking, she followed slowly this time. When Marta reached the boulder, she saw that it hit a crack in the granite wall, and just within that crack, she, thought she saw the metal man crouching over a battered wooden pail. She winced as those bare metal hands ripped open the rabbit's throat and upended it so that its blood could drip into the bucket. I should be silent, she thought. I should flee now and get the others, tell them what hides here. But as she watched, she saw the metal shoulders begin to shake, and she saw silver tears roll down silver cheeks to mix with the rabbit's blood. Why do you need blood? The girl asked in a quiet voice, though she wasn't certain she wanted to know. The metal man looked up and raised a tattered brush in his other hand. To paint the violence of my dreams, he said. And in the dim red light of his eyes, Marta saw the words and symbols that covered the walls of his cave, and she gasped. Outside, a cold wind picked up as the moon began its slow slide downward into the horizon, and the sky went purple with morning.
You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.